Hello and welcome from the World Economic Forum in Geneva, Switzerland. My name is Adrian Monk. As companies and countries race to net zero, next generation technology is needed to help them get there. In this special edition of Agenda Dialogues, leaders will discuss how and when the demand for this green tech can transform industries and what's needed to unlock the market for green demand. We're joined today in our studio by Secretary John Kerry, the US Special Presidential Envoy on Climate, by Jan Jenisch, CEO of Holtzim, one of the biggest, if not the biggest cement manufacturer in the world. We also have on the line two very important guests, CEO of AP Muller-Mess, Soren Sko, dialing in from Copenhagen, Denmark, and from Geneva, Antonia Gowell, the head of the forum's climate action platform. They'll share their insights, but first I'd like to welcome the chair of our meeting, president of the World Economic Forum, Berger Brenda. Berger, over to you. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Adrian. Uh, this is for us a very uh, important uh, edition uh, of uh, the Agenda Dialogue. It's really about the future of our planet. Uh, the planet is on fire. We have seen it. It's a lot of focus on uh, why, but no, we really have to focus on how. And Secretary Kerry, the special envoy also for uh, the president of the US on climate, you already uh, made um, a lot uh, of uh, really, uh, really progress on the US side. You re-entered the Paris uh, Accord the day uh, President uh, Biden took office. Uh, you have now scaled up uh, the climate finance. And in many ways, the COP26 is maybe our last chance to meet uh, the 1.5 uh, degrees uh, Celsius. So uh, how do you feel about the upcoming COP? And I think also, as my colleague Adrian mentioned, uh, the demand for the new breakthrough technologies and to create that demand is an important pause, a part of this puzzle. Welcome. Good to see you. Thank you, Berger. Thank you. And I'm so delighted to be with Adrian and everybody. Thank you for representing Holson here. Um, well, first of all, uh, I've shifted a little bit because of uh, the progress we're making. I think, I think it's not going to be the last uh, best chance, but it's the best chance. It's the best chance we've had to date to come together and, and get on a track that you are keeping 1.5 degrees limit in the temperature rise alive as a goal. Um, the reason I say not the last, I think the process we will kick into gear where almost every country in the world will step up ambition and we will be moving with maybe 60 plus percent of global GDP committed to the 1.5. That puts us in a position over the next year or two years as we do the follow-up, the transparency, accountability, and measure uh, the stock take, which is already part of the Paris Agreement. There's a, there's a taking stock of where we are for 2023. So there are a couple of events as we move forward that will help to guide us. The key is um, to accelerate everything, Berger. We are behind. We're dangerously behind. And when I say that, that's not John Kerry or the US speaking or Berger, it's, it's the scientists. I mean, this entire challenge is defined by arithmetic and physics. We know the numbers, we know what's happening. We have to be guided by that. And so we must accelerate in order to achieve net 
zero by 2050. We have to reduce by about 50 percent between 2020 and 2030. So the race is on now to get that reduction. And to do that, I am told by the experts, 50% of the reductions we need to get will come from technologies that are not yet at scale. How do we get those technologies at scale? It's exactly what we're doing here at the World Economic Forum today. We're trying to you know, increase the demand for green products. And companies like Holtz and others are joining together here to talk this through. We're not announcing it to the world today, but we're trying to build this towards the launch in Glasgow. And if we can get enough companies to share the vision that if they will move as first movers, we're creating a first movers coalition. If they will come together and move to buy certain green products, whether it's cement or steel or in the trucking business or shipping, there are key tough sectors of our economies where we can accelerate demand and that will move the entire process. So it's a very simple concept, but it has major impact for not a lot of investment. No, thank you for uh, your leadership on this uh, First Movers uh, Coalition, bringing together the leading companies of the world and creating a demand for these technologies that we have to accelerate um, <clears throat> introducing and making them commercial viable and um, to also meet the net zero by 2050. Uh, we have seen before, for example, on solar, the price of solar fell yeah. to one-tenth in a decade. So where do you see the big possibilities if all the big companies of the world use their purchasing power to really demand also products that uh, have these new technologies as part of it. How, how do you uh, see this uh, moving forward? How do you see uh, green hydrogen? How do you also see carbon capture, uh, storage, uh, sequestration? Right. right. Well, I see it moving at, at, a, at a very intense pace. Uh, already a lot of venture capital is out there chasing uh, the potential of the major market. I mean, whoever hits green hydrogen or battery storage that lasts a week or whatever, you know, more money than Jeff Bezos. I mean, it's, that's a big return on investment. Someone's going to get there. We're going to get there. We don't know when. We can't sit around and wait. But at the same time, uh, we know that there are sectors of the economy that are just tougher to reduce the emissions. The production of steel, production of cement. Uh, these are heat intensive. It takes a lot of energy to be able to do what you need to do. Shipping, the shipping business. Uh, if, the, if you had all the shipping business of the world as one country, it'd be the eighth largest country in the world. The massive emissions that come through shipping. So uh, let's take steel as an example. Steel in automobiles. If companies will, will begin to say, okay, we're going to buy X amount of steel, and we're going, we know it's a green premium, we're going to pay the premium, but we get enough companies together, it's not that expensive compared to their overall procurement to buy some, but aggregated, it has an impact on the market. And that demand will produce investment and or discovery, the emergence of technologies that address the concerns. Uh, in the case of steel, a lot of it goes into automobiles, I'm told, that the price increase in the automobile is actually minuscule. It's about 1%. So what you pay for the green steel at the premium 
you're not paying in the, in the vehicle itself, which then doesn't make it prohibitive in terms of gaining market acceptance. So I think we're, we're in a terrific place here, whether it's shipping or steel or cement or chemicals. Uh, trucking is another big example. Aviation, aviation fuel, sustainable aviation fuel. If people will commit that in their flights, in their running of their fleets, whatever they are, they are going to purchase X amount, that's going to accelerate the demand for that product. And the faster we get to those products, the faster and more effectively we are achieving the goal of 50% of reduction in the next 10 years and then net zero by 2050. No, uh, thank you. Uh, John, uh, Secretary Kerry, I think this is a very nice segue also into one of our uh, virtual guests. Uh, we'll come back to Halsam and Mr. Janish that is with us in the studio uh, in a moment. Uh, Cern Sko, uh, CEO of the largest uh, container shipping company uh, in the world, Maersk, is with us. And Cern, you listen now uh, to uh, Secretary uh, Kerry. And I think you also have uh, made uh, some purchasing uh, of uh, ships uh, in the last months that uh, are really, really based on breakthrough uh, technology. So I hope you um, are, uh, and I know you're very supportive of this thinking around uh, creating a demand for the new te technologies. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, I think uh, today we are we have quite a good uh, visibility to the path of decarbonization for shipping. Uh, we, we can uh, burn fuels that are that are made from green hydrogen in our fossil uh, in our combustion engines, uh, and that means that uh, we can go relatively fast because uh, in the next five years we can probably retrofit engines to to burn these fuels and not just rely on on on, on building new ships. So that's very positive. Uh, we are trying to solve the chicken and the egg situation, though, because today there are nobody producing green fuels for shipping because no ships are using it, and and at the same time nobody's building ships, uh, building ships with, that use green fuel because you cannot buy the fuel. But but we have, we have made a step forward. We have ordered what will eventually become 12 ships. So I need to find 500,000 tons of green fuel by 2025. Uh, that's a way of creating a, a, a market, and 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 we're getting lots of calls who would like us. Like, like to help 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 solve this problem. So, so I, I'm very big believer in the concept of creating uh, creating demand and 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 a market. And as the secretary also pointed out, while these fuels will be very expensive in their own right, maybe three times of what we're paying today. When we look at the cost to the end consumer, the end product, it will be negligible. And and I I certainly believe that the world can afford to to decarbonize over the next 20 years. This is uh, good news, walking the talk. Uh, Sir, and it's incredible. I mean, your example is huge, and we really, really welcome it. It can have a profound impact. Obviously, um, not just the fuel component, but buying ships that in and of themselves are carbon-free. Uh, that's, that's also a great task. And your company is an amazing company, and we thank you for this initiative. Have you already, uh, <coughs> Mr. Sko, uh, got feedback from customers that are willing to pay a premium uh, if they know that their cargo is transported uh, by uh, ships that are more environmentally and climate uh, friendly? Because I heard from CEOs from big companies in the world that said, we're ready for it. If it's going to cost us 2% more, we would like this. 
we, we already actually have a carbon neutral product, which is a transport product, which is based on biofuel. And, and, and we're seeing uh, exponential growth in that uh, demand for that product. More than, more than half of our top 200 customers have already set science-based targets for all three scopes. Yeah. Of our largest, largest customers, they don't make anything like Amazon, like Walmart, like the Home Depot. They're buying things. And, and for them to deliver on their scope three uh, emission targets, of course, they will have to buy carbon neutral uh, logistics services to, to, to achieve their targets. And, and that's why we see this demand already. Of course, we have the big global brands that have a brand to protect. They are in the forefront here. Uh, they maybe make up 20% of our business and they will keep growth in this these in demand for these products for, for a while. But at some point, also in shipping, we're going to need a, a carbon tax to nudge everybody, so to speak, to, towards the greener alternative. Soren, what, I mean, you made the decision to come and do this. We're here, I'm here today working with Berga and with the World Economic Forum to uh, excite this prospect among CEOs broadly all around the world. What would your comment be to companies that haven't thought about it or that might even be contemplating it now that got you over the top here that made the decision to do this? What would you say to them? Well, first of all, uh, we are convinced we have a climate crisis. We are also very much aware of the fact, as you also pointed out yourself, we are part of the problem in shipping in terms of our emissions. And, and, but I also believe that we are, uh, uh, we are we're part of the solution. I mean, what we know today in terms of what the pathway is, we didn't know for two and a half years ago when we set our target to be, to be carbon neutral. Uh, at the time, we thought it was a technical problem on board the ships and so on. We are much wiser today. You just got to go out there, set that target and start working with it. And, and you know, many will be surprised. Uh, uh, how fast this goes. And I think all of us actually have an obligation uh, to, to, to work on this project. I don't think there's many companies in the world that do not see themselves as they want to do good for their shareholders, but certainly also for their customers and the people that work in the company and for society at large. And, and this, this uh, creating value for all is really a, a very powerful uh, way of thinking about business today. Well, thank you so much, uh, Søren. Adrian, we also have uh, Mr. Jenish from Halsem, uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, cement company uh, in uh, the world. And you heard the discussion uh, between Søren uh, and Secretary Kerry. So we're very interested to also hear your perspectives uh, on this. Uh, first of all, I think a big compliment from my side, Secretary Kerry and the World Economic Forum to make such a smart initiative because to further accelerate, that's what we really need. We, we've seen all our efforts to make uh, uh, decarbonization um, a reality. We need to cooperate much more than we have done in the past. And you mentioned it from uh, green procurement. We also, we realize uh, we have not set the best standards yet to make the transportation industry work, uh, work for the decarbonization but also for our own business to, first of all, we have already uh, largely decarbonized products by more than 30%. And now to make them known and build partners with cities to specify them for all new projects, that's very exciting, but we are really at the beginning here. And when we talk about innovation, well, we are one of the biggest waste recyclers already, 50 million tons of waste recycle a year. We set a target now to double that to 100 million tons 
the next 10 years. And here we need to cooperate with the municipalities, uh, with the waste companies, uh, but also with the customer to make our recycled products uh, um, in high demand. So I'm, I'm really excited. And, uh, and, and luckily we have uh, one year ago exactly, we announced our net zero roadmap at Holcim, um, fully uh, supported by the science-based target initiative. And we are so excited to be, be, become part of this initiative. Wow. That's fabulous. That's spectacular. Wow. What um, the amount of heat you currently consume and use in order to do cement, like aluminum and steel and so forth, yeah. blast furnace, whatever, um, can green hydrogen drive that? Uh, yes, of course. We have, of course, the challenge, same as steel or glass. Uh, we transform minerals at a temperature somewhere around uh, 1400 degrees Celsius. And we have to find ways to lower the temperature, use alternative raw material, mm. and ultimately to, uh, uh, to do carbon capture and, and reuse the carbon, which is uh, a valuable raw material. So how do we get more cement, steel, uh, you know, the, the sort of tougher sectors of our industry? Yeah. How do we get more of them to move faster to embrace this? I think um, before we talk about the next generation of technologies like carbon capture, we are very excited. We launched a year ago our new green range for concrete and cement, which is a minimum of 30% CO2 reduction right from the start. And what's exciting here is and that- how do you get that? What's the- We basically, we dilute the original cement. So we're using yeah. more byproducts, minerals, and waste. We have here in Switzerland, the most exciting cement. We have 20% of the product is demolition waste. So we literally take the old buildings and we basically grind it into the yeah. new cement. So you become part of the circular economy yeah. and you contribute in other yeah. ways too by virtue of that. Yes, in Great. concrete we already have up to 50% yeah. demolition waste back inside. And I think that's a big part of our future to become a circular economy company in all the local markets we, yeah. we operate. So we are selling out these products and we realize the customer is not aware of it, right? So because now suddenly we come and we gave fancy names, we call it EcoPlanet and EcoPack, and suddenly the customer realized, oh, I can make a choice today. Wow. Um, and we have cities are the first ones among, and in the US, the universities. We do now a couple new projects where we do this lead certification, and with our EcoPack concrete, we, mm -hmm. uh, we achieve the highest standards. Wow. So before we even... Uh, start to go for the next innovation steps, which we do in parallel, we actually have to start getting the awareness of the people. You can make a choice today. And the next step for us is smart design. So we work on the 3D printing where you can use up to 70% material saving because you make a three-dimensional part instead of two-dimensional. So you basically like a skeleton, you just are strong where you need to be strong in a in a ceiling or in a floor or in a wall. That's huge and just at the beginning. And, and to do that, we, we suddenly have to team up with all sort of robotic specialists and computer specialists. Oh, and yeah. Very exciting. AI and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, I, can I for a moment just bring in Antonia Galwell? Because you talked about awareness and Secretary Carey, mm. you know, we've heard from shipping, we've heard from cement. But this issue of green demand goes right across all industries. And for the CEOs watching and for the corporations watching now, Antonia, what are the kind of ways 
that we can really build across some of the examples we've seen from these really tough industries to get green demand rolled out across industry globally. Great, thank you, uh, Adrian. And, and it's been a really good discussion so far already with some great examples in that respect. I mean, I think we, we can think about sort of green demand along a few dimensions, right? I mean, what we're talking about here is trying to pull demand for these emerging technology solutions that will start to really play a role uh, in decarbonization from, from 2030 forward. So some of the investments that we're hearing about are perhaps kind of those, those slightly riskier kind of creating the market, as, as Soren said, creating the market in order for um, some of those solutions to, to scale. Um, so, you know, we heard the example of shipping, of course, for example, in mobility, we're seeing the transport sector move already quite quickly. A number of companies are already committing, for example, uh, to integrate uh, net zero steel as part of their production process. I think also with increasing demand from consumers who are really looking uh, to purchase these vehicles. So these emerging technology solutions, the advanced demand commitments that really help drive investment for those solutions is key. Of course, we also need uh, to help scale existing technology solutions. So I think it's not to say that scaling existing existing, currently available commercial uh, low carbon solutions isn't important. We need to do that as well as kind of drive investment and commitments for emerging solutions. And these, these are the two pieces of the puzzle we need to drive, I think, in parallel um, and in collaboration across the value chain. I mean, we've heard those examples sort of working along the value chain uh, between the buyers and, and the suppliers to make that happen, um, but also in partnership with, with the public sector, of course. We, we know and we, we know that sort of some of the policies will help scale uh, these solutions as well. And that's really where this partnership dynamic becomes uh, incredibly important. And Secretary Kerry mentioned the First Mover Coalition, which is an idea to really scale up the buying power of some of the world's biggest corporations. What are the ways in which you're working with businesses to really take advantage of their buying power and their supply chain power to drive forward this agenda? So I think there, there's there's a couple, let's say, steps that we have to go down, right? So step one is, is actually working with companies, big companies, to set uh, Paris-aligned decarbonization targets uh, by 2050 and then having emissions by 2030. So we, we host at the forum the CO Climate Leaders Alliance, which brings together over 100 companies representing $7.2 trillion in assets um, in market capitalization who have set that commitment. So step one is setting those Paris-aligned commitments. But that needs to then very soon, in order to kind of get on track to that pathway, translate exactly into these types of partnerships and collaborations. What are the kind of demand commitments, investments that companies need to make today to be able to one, scale existing technology solutions, but also create the markets for those emerging technology solutions so that those targets can actually be achieved? Um, so I think this is really what we're, we're driving, is on one hand, bringing more and more companies into that uh, framework of, of targets that is science aligned. And then the second is creating these types of initiatives that really put, let's say, kind of commitment and, and money uh, into the market to help scale these solutions. And that's really the only way uh, in, in reality that we're going to move this agenda quickly enough. It is really that, that partnership uh, dynamic that we need to see moving. Thanks, Antonia. I want to bring the discussion back to Bulgarian Secretary Kerry, but before I do, 
Um, yeah, and you heard Antonio there talking about the need for us to speed this up. What are the things that could be done to help a company like Holtzim, biggest producer cement in the world, speed up some of the product rollout that you're talking about, some of the new products that you're talking about that are going to drive forward that decarbonization of your sector? I think we are now on an accelerated roadmap to do what I quickly described. We already have reduced products. We go circular economy. Um, we do for build smarter and we go then for carbon capture. We have an exciting roadmap to do that. I appreciate the opportunity that we need to partner up. This is really key. And I would say any legislation, um, you know, putting more emphasis on like uh, LEED certification for buildings to make them more energy efficient, to make them more sustainable in the build phase, but then also in the operational phase. As you have 70% of the CO2 emission in building is to run the building over the lifetime. Only 30% is the construction itself. So I think any, anything with, uh, um, uh, I would say, governments putting forward smart incentives will, will of course, accelerate. Great. Okay. No, thank you. Uh, Secretary Kerry, uh, we know that uh, you spent decades in the U.S. Uh, Senate, also a very successful Secretary of State. Uh, under uh, President uh, Obama. How concerned are you that the complex geopolitical picture, the, the fractured world that we are faced with, will play uh, negatively uh, in the run-up to COP26? Because it shouldn't be like that, because this is in every country's interest. The cost of inaction um, uh, far exceeds the cost of action. But at the same time, yeah. we do need uh, China, <laughs> India, US, other big countries on board. So how do you look at this geopolitical picture related to climate? Well, I look at it uh, as complicated because it is. Um, I wish it were, as you said, that everybody understands this is so critical. We all have to put everything else aside. <clears throat> that certainly was the initial conversation between President Biden and a number of different leaders. <clears throat> uh, and, and certainly with the Chinese, we had agreed that that's the way we would proceed. It became clear to me a number of months ago that that was not happening, <clears throat> that <clears throat> for better or worse, <clears throat> what we could and couldn't do together and what sort of cooperation there might be was being affected by other issues at the same time. And that was made quite explicit. President Biden has now had a, a very good conversation with President Xi. Uh, it will have follow-ups. My hope is that in the aftermath of that, we can find uh, critical cooperation because China is the largest emitter in the world. We're the second largest emitter in the world. We're down, actually. We used to be at about 15, 14. We're now around 11, 12, uh, and going down uh, once the Biden game plan gets fully uh, in place. We have very ambitious domestic goals like 2035, zero carbon in our power sector. Wow. 2030, we will have 50% of our automobiles in America sold will be electric. And that is agreed to by Ford, General Motors, and the other big manufacturers. So mm. we're moving very aggressively domestically, um, but we do need more companies to make the leap that uh, Holson has made, that that they're gonna, uh, you know, I hate the term, uh, sort of, you know, they're gonna 
do as they say. They're going to act the way they say. Hmm. And we, there's too much rhetoric. There's too much easy 2050 net zero. What I really am focused yeah. on is what is going to happen in the next 10 years. Yeah. This is the decisive decade. Yeah. And if we can't get China to do enough in the course of this decade, that will kill 1.5. It will be gone hmm. completely. It's already a hard, I mean, I'm not pretending it's an easy target. It's a very tough target, but it is doable. And what we have laid out as a plan together with Japan, Canada, the EU, and uh, UK, and, and if we can get India's deployment of renewable energy, we have a very large, we have a majority percentage of global GDP locked into trying to achieve the 1.5. That's a big deal. What we need are the others to come on board as fast as possible. I think you need a 50% reduction of greenhouse gases by 2030 Correct. to uh, meet uh, the 1.5. To keep target. the 1.5 alive. Do you expect that? I hope for it. I'm, so I, I, can't I know tell that you. you I, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you I'm brimming with confidence right now because we have too many folks who are, you know, saying they can't move faster. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. If this is truly existential, and we have seen existential challenges to nations, to continents before, we know how we respond. I mean, in World War II, we were turning out of a Ford Motor Company plant in Michigan every hour, one B-24 airplane. We can do this if we put our minds to it. And why is there an analogy? Because we have to turn out solar panels at a far greater rate. We need a much bigger supply chain. And, and that will reduce cost, by the way. But the IEA tells us, the International Energy Agency says, to achieve the 1.5, you're gonna to have to deploy the world's largest solar field every day for the next 10 years. We're not even doing it in six months. Hmm. So we have to get going. I, I, you know, it's just, and the frustration of it is, this is achievable. It's not something beyond our reach. But we, have, we need more willpower, more CEOs, more companies stepping up and saying, okay, this is about stakeholder, not just shareholder. We're going to do our part. We also know that uh, public-private uh, partnerships are uh, crucial uh, in this um, context. And I think we saw it uh, during um, the COVID-19 crisis. We developed a vac several vaccines that were effective in less than 10 months. Because usually the demand was there. Yeah, and usually- The government said, yeah. you do it, we'll buy it. Yeah. Right. That's the trend, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. I think this is the thinking uh, behind the First Movers Coalition too. Yes, you sir. create the demand, and then you believe that the industry will deliver. Yeah, no, there's no question in my mind. We did it with the space race too. Uh, we did it in terms of SpaceX. Uh, the government said, we need a, a private civilian capacity to take us to the station and with civilians on board. And lo and behold, SpaceX steps up and gets the job done. Again, there are interim payments being made as you go along. So they know the, you know, the, they'll be remunerated for it, uh, not at a vast profit, but remunerated. And as long as somebody knows that, you can get through the valley of death of the early production of a company. You know, that's the key. You're as optimistic, Mr. Janesh? Uh, yes, I have. I think we have one very positive development over the last 10 years or so. While 
unfortunately, the Paris Agreement didn't materialize. We have very positive development with the people wanting this to happen. So, and I feel that in my company, so five years ago, sustainability was not on the agenda of the employees. Now we have 70,000 employees and I do, especially during the pandemic, I do like monthly employee uh, videos, yeah? 80% of the conversation is about how do we become part of the solution? Wow. How do we become a sustainable, Great. the Incredible. most sustainable building material company? And so we have 70,000 employees with their families behind and they want our company to be part of the solution. And I have it in my own home. I have two young children and they tell me, Papa, so you work for a cement company. What are you going to do about it? Because now the education and the awareness is on a different level with the people. And that's, that, that's very pretty positive. good. That's a pretty good jab. Yeah. When you can't, it's at the dining room table. It's in the kitchen. You can't yeah. get away. Yeah. And I think also when it comes to talent, uh, human capital yeah. is so important. So if you want to mm. uh, hire uh, the sp uh, smartest uh, people yeah. out of university and college, uh, I, I guess uh, a big attraction would be if they're part of a travel to make Holsham also more sustainable. Absolutely. And uh, no, um, coming back and we have to uh, also uh, come to an end of, of this session. We, we know that uh, you have been visiting uh, China, uh, India, uh, UK. Uh, you're doing climate diplomacy. Um, um, Secretary Kerry, and uh, uh, of course, uh, I think there was a positive reaction when President Xi Jinping announced during the UNGA that China is not uh, investing in anything related to coal outside uh, China uh, as a first uh, major uh, step. So um, I, I guess uh, you might be visiting India and China again uh, before uh, the the cup and I think we all hope for like uh, a G2 working together uh, in the run-up to cop 26 as we saw in, in Paris because yeah. without that uh, collaboration I think it would have been hard to see an agreement like we saw in Paris and you were well we very much yourself in the conversation that President Biden and President Xi had both of them were very clear in embracing uh, the concept of, a, of some kind of cooperation and effort to go forward. And I just spoke yesterday with my Chinese counterpart. Uh, we were thinking of going to China to have the next meeting, but possibly because of their quarantine rules and other things, we may now meet in Europe. We're trying to figure that out. We will meet, and I hope for some progress in certain areas. And I, I thank uh, President Xi Jinping. He, he really is personally seized of this issue. He's engaged in it. He's making decisions. The, the key decision he just made is a very important one, not to fund abroad. Our hope is that, that President Xi will um, be willing to uh, instruct his team to go a little further here and provide some measure of uh, uh, getting things done that will reduce emissions over a period of time. Not necessarily change their target, which is fixed in a kind of process, but to take measures that can, in fact, have an impact, nevertheless. And, and uh, we're going to try. We'll, well see. Thank you. And it's uh, so uh, important that we're gathering here in Geneva today to, to have well, thank an you to you. alliance of first movers of, of the global uh, CEOs to really create 
this demand and market for breakthrough technologies. So we on our race towards net zero. Well, we really appreciate uh, uh, your leadership, uh, Klaus Schwab's leadership, the World Economic Forum stepping in here. And, and, and we need the CEOs, that's the key. CEOs who will step up and grow this between now and uh, the 1st of November. Thank, Thank you. you. And even thereafter. <laughs> Thanks good. to all our guests here in the studio. Thanks to you for joining us and we'll see you again on the next Agenda Dialogues. Thanks from Geneva and goodbye.